Well, on nights like tonight, we have to start by simply saying Alec Manoa is special. He is just, he's special. He's, it's not a hot take. You know it. I know it. The Jays know it. He is something else. He makes scoreless innings, runners on sometimes. He makes them look completely routine. It is so much so that I almost expect, and I have a feeling many people are the same way, I almost expect Manoa to go a minimum of six innings every time he hits the mound. And I have high hopes every time out, too, that we'll see him get through seven, which we got tonight. Manoa has been so, so good. The expectations are so high, and yet he pretty consistently manages to meet them. Like, get this. Prior to tonight, they flashed this stat, I think, on the uh, the telecast. Prior to tonight, Manoa entered the ballgame with a 1.32 ERA. 0.172 opponent's batting average, 0.90 whip over his last six starts, which is wild stuff to begin with. And I got to think that those numbers might be dropping slightly after a start like tonight. He is the unquestioned ace of the rotation, the stopper, which is something we have talked about a lot. When you have a little mini slide going on, no better person to come to the mound than your ace, your stopper. He is a treat to watch. I, you know, I said this about stripling. And uh, I think it remains true about Manoa. I shudder to think what we would discuss if about the Jays season and what it would look like without Alec Manoa, right? Like you could absolutely say that. Like what would any team season look like without the race? 100%. Don't get me wrong. But without Manoa, this team is not where they are right now. That's not a particularly hot take. It's a lukewarm take at best. He just is a treat to watch on a regular basis. I don't know about you guys. I was honestly shocked when he came back out for the seventh inning at 98 pitches, that was shocking to me because we know the Jays are pretty careful to manage workloads. He even let a batter get on. They still left him out there. I kind of thought it'd be one of those things. Any one guy gets on, we're pulling the ripcord, but Vladdy makes a terrific grab to end the seventh magnificent killer instinct type of stuff from Alec Manoa tonight. Uh, the final line, seven innings pitched four hits, no earned runs. Of course, uh, no runs at all. Eight strikeouts, two walks and a season high, 113 pitches, 75 of them strikes his seventh straight quality start, his 24th quality start in 30 trips to the mound this season. It's just, there's no way you can look at anything he has done this year and say, that's not great because he has been absolutely phenomenal. But welcome to Jay's talk on the Sportsnet radio network show. Ali with you, of course, as we discuss this Jay's three, one win over the Rays. So let's chat about it. You want to give me a call four one six eight seven zero zero five ninety one triple eight triple six zero five ninety star five ninety on your cell. Uh, 590, 590 is the text line. Always pretty easy to reach me that way. So if you if you choose to send in a text, please leave your name and location so I can give you a shout out on the air. Um, I think we experienced every possible emotion today. Honestly, in this game, every possible emotion. Delight and elation from Manoa and Merrifield. And we'll talk about Merrifield and the second base situation in a sec here. But delight for those guys. Maybe some uh, uh, less positive emotions for Vladdy at the plate than back up on the roller coaster when Vladdy digs some throws out of the dirt to save a run and end innings for Manoa, certainly in the seventh inning. You go back down when Bo commits yet another throwing error, and I see the text here on the text line about Bo Bichette at shortstop. You go back up when Romano strikes Margot, strikes out Margot to end the inning. Uh, heck, even in the top of the ninth inning, it turns out you can uh, you, you can get flim-flammed by the Zimzam. Bradley Zimmer getting caught stealing for just the eighth time in his major league career. I'm exhausted. I don't know about you guys. And I've just been sitting here for the past couple of hours. I think it is to a degree telling, I would say, that they let Manoa hit a season high in pitches 
and asked Romano for a four-out save because I would imagine that does say something about the beleaguered bullpen. You know, it's a little overworked as of late. Some less than reliable outings from some members of the bullpen in the last week, let's say, like going back to even going back to the first game of the Philly series. It's not some not not as as steady, let's call it, as we have become used to seeing the Blue Jays bullpen, especially after the trade deadline, right? So I I guess that especially you know two innings from Barrios a couple days ago, four innings from Mitch White, so seven innings of work from Alec Manoa and four outs from Jordan Romano is something you you will absolutely take. But I I do think that does. I mean I'm not it doesn't take a genius to point out that that's probably a very much a, a a product of the bullpen delivering the kind of performances it has delivered. I'm still not super worried. You guys know I'm a big fan of saying, using the, the term, uh, the term, the circle of trust and like who is and is not in the circle of trust. I think the guys who are still in there, like the, the Simbers of the world and Jimmy Garcia, uh, excuse me, Tim Meza and those guys, I think they're all still in the circle of trust. I'm not, I'm not super worried. So I just think maybe, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that a bit of a downstretch came or came for the Blue Jays at a very critical moment, but Hey, not going to nitpick because Meza, even though he got a couple guys on base still looked decent, I would say not, you know, no, not so much that you'd be super worried about him. And then certainly Manoa and, and Romano doing their thing. So I thought that was really cool. Uh, by the way, before we get to the text here, doesn't Drew Rasmussen, who is a very good pitcher and enough said about that. I mean, he, I, you know, the Rays just keep getting guys who are quality pitchers. They lose Shane Bass to the, to the rest of this season and all of 2023 with the Tommy John surgery. I do truly wish him nothing but the best because injuries stink, but they lose Shane Baz. Tyler Glasnow looks good in a rehab start. He's going to pitch next week against Cleveland. Drew Rasmussen, probably your third starter in a playoff series if you're the Rays. I imagine Jeffrey Springs would just be like the stack with Glasnow, I would imagine. But doesn't Rasmussen, just looks-wise, does he not look like Kevin Pillar wearing like a red beard? I really think so. He It kind of looks like Kevin Pillar trying to sneak into a game like incognito, but well, no, that, that's a silly thing. But Rasmussen is good. He was so efficient, so deep into this game. He was a real problem for a lot of Jays tonight. The Jays did manage to turn in some really good at-bats against him. And uh, Merrifield, of course, making the Rays pay after the Rasmussen departure to close the books. Um, let's check in on the text line and sure, give me a call again, 416-870-0590, 590 star 590 on yourself. You are so inclined, but you guys know I love taking in, I uh, love taking the texts. Uh, let's see, I see one here. Okay, well, I, I like this one. Manoa is an absolute dog from Kyle in Prince Edward County and dog spelled D-A-W-G, all caps. Manoa is an absolute dog, yes, Tyler, he has a little bit of that dog in him. Manoa, uh, just killer instinct. I love it. Like, there's no way anyone could possibly complain about Manoa at any point. I honestly wonder what a contract from Manoa looks like. I wonder if they're having those internal conversations already. Do you give him the Garrett Cole contract at this stage of his career? Uh, would people be upset with that? I uh, Probably not, right? Garrett Cole making what, like $300, $350 million? I'll look it up in the break, but Garrett Cole, if that's, if that's the contract you're giving to Alec Manoa, based on his performance after almost two seasons, I, I, don't, I can't imagine too many people are going to complain. But yes, Manoa is an absolute dog. I agree, Kyler, from Prince Edward County. Uh, let's see. I see one here. A will from Georgina. Show, my man, two hit wit plus big puma equals magic. LFG. Let's Leap go, I think is what Will <laughs> Will is saying. I have a I have a think uh, I have a I have a guess that many people feel the same way. Aiden in Toronto handicap the chances that Manoa takes home the Cy Young. Uh, look, I would love 
I would love to see Manoa take home the Cy Young. I, I don't think that's happening this season. I think it's a very unlikely. Like I, I, I'm, I freely admit I'm not the world's biggest gambler uh, because Gambler eats my dollars on a regular basis. So I've been kind of turned off on that. But when it comes to uh, AL Cy Young chances, I don't know what the NL Cy Young chances are after Sandy Alcantara. I got to imagine it's like minus a thousand for Sandy Alcantara and plus a plus 10,000 for everyone else at this point. But in the AL, I, I think it is kind of close between Dylan Cease and Justin Verlander. Shane McClanahan is probably your dark horse. I'm trying to think here. I guess, I guess Framber Valdez is probably the other guy you'd, you'd have in that like fourth in that conversation. After that, I think I would probably put Alec Manoa, right? Like if you're going, I think they only nominate three guys per award. So if you're only going three, I think it probably is Cease Verlander McClanahan, even with the injury McClanahan suffered, but if you're if you're expanding it to a top five, Manoa makes a top five. I think. I, honestly, I might even take him over Framber Valdez. Valdez has just been so. It's kind of weird. He's been kind of like boring almost for the for the Astros. Also, while the Astros have two potential guys being nominated for the uh, AL Cy Young and Verlander and Valdez, and, and I mean that goes without saying the rest of those guys in the rotation who have also been pretty good, I would say, right? So, but no, but I, I that's not. And don't get me wrong, that's not poo pooing Alec Manoa whatsoever. It's just I it, think it just speaks to the ludicrous seasons both Dylan Cease and Justin Verlander are having. I would look again, Shane McClanahan, good. I think a distant third. He had a very good first half of the season and a more mortal second half. But yeah, I think Alec Manoa does no, no complaint from me. Uh, Colin and Barry, these kinds of starts from Manoa just, make, just makes it more evident uh, that he should start game one of the playoffs without a doubt. It's true, right? I mean, we talked about that uh, that little piece of news that Shai Davidi passed along uh, I guess was it yesterday or the day before about how John Schneider had said that if home field advantage is on the line in game 162, they'd rather use Manoa in game 162 than game one of the playoffs. I agree. I mean, I, I think like you'd be hard pressed to find people who say, hey, game 162 is more important than the game one of the playoffs. Having said that, I think there is some validity to not wanting to play in Seattle or not wanting to play in, let's say, Tampa Bay at the Trop. Like no one wants anything to do with a three game wildcard series where all three games are in Tampa Bay or I guess in St. Petersburg, but, but still I, uh, I, you want Manoa lined up for game one. I certainly hope here. What I hope happens between now and the end of the regular season, because we got one more game against Tampa three games starting Monday against the New York Yankees. I really hope we don't see any Aaron judge home runs for those three games. Although I mean, he's all, he's already been held without a home run for four games. What's what's four more. What's three more starting in Toronto on Monday. Uh, there's a day off the last day off of the season on Thursday, three against the Red Sox at Rogers Center and then three against the Orioles at Camden Yard. So a very uh, AL East heavy schedule here with this series against the Rays. What I hope happens is the Jays just obliterate the Boston Red Sox at, uh, at Rogers Center in front of a very happy home crowd. I believe actually the Saturday is, I think it's like fan appreciation weekend because it's the last, uh, the last home series of the regular season. So I, I hope that we see a lot of people down at Rogers Center, a, a very, very raucous crowd for the last regular season crowds of the year. I hope the Jays just crush the Red Sox so that that series at Camden Yards essentially means nothing. That's my, that's my hope so that you don't really have to entertain any conversation about Alec Manoa in game 162 in Camden Yards, so that you can use him ideally in game one at Rogers Center uh, for the playoffs. But yeah, Colin and Barry, I agree. I think a lot of people agree with you here. Um, Vincent Aurora, this game was pivotal. A whim, win here keeps us in. Merrifield needs to be the second base starter going forward. Your thoughts on that? Let's split the series. Absolutely. Need to split the series here. Uh, Whit Merrifield, dare I say his biggest hit? 
as a Toronto Blue Jay, a three-run bomb in the seventh inning. He already had the ringing double off the left center wall earlier in this game, so two-hit wit, making an appearance tonight for the Blue Jays. Absolutely phenomenal work from him this entire series when you work in the two home runs in the first game. Doubly important, especially like uh, like Vince mentions, Espinal on the 10-day IL probably won't return until closer to October 2nd. Also hadn't been hitting great, generally speaking. Biggio not playing super well, either uh, specifically at the plate. I imagine we're going to see a lot of Whit Merrifield. So far, so good, right? Early, early returns on the field are decent. It looks like he has some pretty good chemistry with Vladdy Jr., and that's only going to get better the more he plays. He makes the plays out there. Espinal does this too, but I think it's like a, it's not a surprise with Espinal based on what we saw even going back to 2021, but Merrifield makes the plays at second base look very routine all things considered. I think that's what you want from your infielders, right? Like spectacular plays, diving stops and guys being backed up and delivering the, delivering the ball in there. Like those are, don't get me wrong. I'll take all of those as much as possible, but making plays look like ho-hum and eating up outs, vacuum up, vacuuming them up. That's what you want, right? Like what more do you want to see from Whit Merrifield to tell you that he should be the second baseman over, let's say, Kevin Biggio until Espinal returns. And even when Espinal does return, if, if Merrifield keeps this up, he should probably just, based on merit, get the second base position, um, I would imagine, just by himself. Again, Biggio in a bit of a rut, striking out quite a lot over the last few weeks, which is probably why we haven't seen him at second base with Espinal's absence. I still think also, just as long as Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is unavailable and they're being cautious with him. You'll see Merrifield over Biggio at second base, which obviously like as a domino effect means you'll probably see Tapia and, uh, and Jackie Bradley Jr. in the outfield Springer and Hernandez out there more often than not. But when Springer is DHing, you'll probably see both JBJ and Tapia. And when he's in center field, you'll see one of those two guys. I, I think I'm generally speaking. Okay. With that. And uh, the bottom of the order, generally speaking as well, Played pretty well today, right? I think you want to see more pop from the top of the order, certainly. But hey, the bottom of the order coming through, like Jackie Bradley Jr. walking in a big situation despite them not cashing in any runs in the sixth inning. But still, I think you're seeing more quality at-bats from the bottom of the order more often than not. And again, you're not going to see like Whit Merrifield hitting two home runs every single game. But it, it does make you feel more, at least me, does make me feel more confident when you can look at the bottom of the order and say, okay, maybe they, maybe it's not going to be like three straight outs, for example. And I will say it hasn't been that way for a couple of weeks, which is, uh, I think, very, 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 very good to see. And it makes you feel optimistic going forward. The rest, certainly one more game to go against Tampa, three against New York, three against Boston, three against uh, the Baltimore Orioles. I wanted to play this piece of audio for you. Uh, Whit Merrifield, of course, a two-hit wit, three-run home run. He was on with Arash Madani as the walk-off interview after this ball game. Why don't we hear what those guys had to say? Arash with Whit after the 3-1 win. Whit, it was yesterday. You said, who wouldn't want to be in a race like this? And then the seventh inning, you get your opportunity and do it. You gave a stare down back to that dugout. What, what was that moment like then to deliver such a big shot? A big moment. Yeah, it's a big game for us. Uh, I think it's no secret that we've struggled here uh, this year, so it was nice to kind of push ahead and um, and finally get a winner, finally get a win here at the Trop. It's been a tough week. One and four coming into this one. Just how vital was it to get a win today? It was big. Uh, this is a team that we're going up against. Uh, you know, we want to get to the playoffs and we want we want home field at the playoffs, and we're fighting against these guys. So, um, big win for us. Um, you know, we. Lost a couple in a row, but it's kind of how baseball goes. Good teams bounce back and find ways to win. What is it about you in this place, man? Not just Thursday with the two home runs. We looked it up. It's like one out of every 2.7 at-bats. 
I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, these guys in here give me a hard time about it because I guess it's they don't like hitting here, but I, I don't I don't mind it. So uh, I don't know what it is. Um, seems to be a little shorter than you know fields I'm used to back in, in Kansas City, and uh, so I'll take advantage and see it hit it. I, so, some fields, some guys just seem to see well see the ball well at, and this is just one of those for me. You had a front row back row seat of that Alec Manoa performance and it just feels the bigger the stage the bigger the game this dude delivers what'd you make of it that was huge huge game uh, from from Big Puma and he he delivered uh, everything that we wanted and you know somewhat expected from him he delivered and he's done it time and time again and it's a pleasure to play behind what's it like being in the teeth of a September playoff race man Ooh, nothing like it it's beautiful can't wait to go, wait, uh, go to sleep and come do it again tomorrow. That is Whit Merrifield, who, uh, if you haven't, if you're not aware of this, Sportsnet Stats dug this up during the game. Whit Merrifield in 16 career games at Tropicana Field. Okay, again, this is from Sportsnet Stats Twitter account. This is the slash line in 16 games at the Trop: 351, 413, 737. He has hit six home runs, so I would imagine that includes tonight's and the two home runs from a couple nights ago. Ten total RBI. Again, in 16 career games at the Trop, I, that is phenomenal. That, that is, I mean, it's a, a very short sample size that it's, but it's an absolutely great one because Whit Merrifield, I, we, we had this conversation about Santiago Espinal and like, should Espinal be the everyday second baseman going forward at the beginning of the season? Like, because they, we kind of came into the year with the platoon uh, between Espinal and Biggio and now we're having the same conversation. Has Whit Merrifield done enough to just be the everyday second baseman going forward? At the very least, while Espinal is on the on the IL, I think the answer to that question should unequivocally be yes. It should absolutely be yes because again, we're talking about the bottom of the order. I think you you need power or at least more consistent contact from guys in the bottom of the order. And look, ideally, when Lourdes Gurriel Jr. comes back, you'll see the batting order go something like Springer. Well, I guess when everyone is healthy, I should say, right? So Springer, Bo, Vladdy. One, two, three. Kirk, Teo, Lourdes, Chapman, Espinal or Merrifield, and then Jansen, right? And again, right now it would be Chapman, Merrifield, Jansen. That's probably the ideal lineup, Jansen, to turn things over and to catch in the playoffs. You swap them out, I would think. Like, you still keep Kirk and Jansen in the lineup, but you swap them out catching DHYs for each other. Uh, when Manoa is pitching, because we know Manoa likes to have Alejandro Kirk catch for him. So you have Kirk catch and Jansen DH on, like, let's say, game one of the playoffs. That's the ideal lineup. I think it brings a little bit of pop. Like maybe Tapia, who is the guy, the odd man out there, maybe he sneaks in there as like the lefty bat, depending on who else is pitching, if you want to swap things or shake things up. But I, I am genuinely looking forward to seeing the construction of the batting order when we get to the wildcard series. Okay, let's take a very quick break. When we come back, your phone calls. I see a few people on hold, so stay on the line for me. 416-870-0590, star 590 on your cell. I see a lot of texts here on the text line, 590-590. Your calls, your text next. The Bet365 standings update as well on the other side of the break. You're listening to Jay's Talk. Jay's win 3-1 tonight over the Tampa Bay Rays. Show Allie with you to break it down on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Manoa trying to complete seven. The pitch. Little tapper. Pass Manoa. Bo picks it up. It's short. Whips the throw to first. A dig by Guerrero. Holds the base to get the out and retire the side. Alec Manoa, magnificent. Firing a four-hit shutout over seven innings at Tropicana Field. 
The big Puma had it working tonight. His defense entered the bell behind him. A snow cone grab and a hold of the toe on the bag by Guerrero. Manoa fired up on the play behind him. That is Ben Wagner with the call as the Blue Jays beat the Rays. They win 3-1 over the Rays at the Trop. Series now 2-1 in favor of Tampa Bay. Blue Jays looking for the series split tomorrow night, tomorrow afternoon, I should say, with uh, Ross Stripling on the mound, and Shane McClanahan will go for the Rays to end things. But you're listening to Jays Talk here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali with you. Uh, still some time to give me a call, 416-870-0590, 590 star 590 on your cell. 590-590 is the text line if you prefer a text in instead of call. Please leave your name and location if you do do that. I believe um, Jen, Jennifer in Toronto, who often calls in, she calls in and the, the phone line dropped. She just wanted to pass along the, the note that they're good win, but still a lot of holes in the lineup. Uh, not untrue. Not untrue at all whatsoever, but still. And uh, after a great win tonight and seven innings from Manoa and four outs, from, four, four outs for a, a, a two-inning save, I guess, from... Jordan Romano, I will, uh, I will take it. I will, I will leave the holes for now. I do want to talk about Vladimir Guerrero Jr., but we'll, we'll get to that in a sec. And certainly the error from Bobichet. We'll get to that stuff in a sec. But first, the Bet365 standings update. Just download the app and see for yourself why Bet365 is the world's favorite sports book. 19 plus, play responsibly, Ontario only. Okay, so the Yankees won tonight. They are this afternoon. They did beat the Red Sox earlier. Judge did not hit a home run. So four homerless games for Aaron Judge since he got to 60. But the Yankees winning 7-5 to five over the Red Sox. The Houston Astros, Baltimore Orioles are in action right now. It is 7-6 Baltimore at the end of 7. So we'll see if that holds. Ryan Mountcastle, I believe, with the RBI single to give the, uh, give the Orioles the lead. And the Seattle Mariners and the Kansas City Royals are tied at 5 at Kauffman Stadium in KC. So we'll, we'll have to see what happens with those. But... Those games are live right now, but still, as the Blue Jays win, and of course, beating the Rays, they're the, the team they were tied with in the wildcard standings, the standings look like this. Houston, New York, Cleveland still leading their divisions. I believe Houston and New York have both clinched playoff spots at the very least. Uh, Toronto, Tampa Bay, Seattle still 1-2-3 in the wildcard. Toronto's 85-67, and 67, Tampa Bay 84-68. and 68. So the Jays are a, game, a full game ahead of the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. And it's important to mention now the season series with one game to go. The season series is now, I believe, 10-8 to eight for the, Blue, for the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. So if the uh, Jays win tomorrow, they get the series split. But the tiebreaker would go to the Rays in that scenario. So you want to just finish the season with more wins, period, than the Rays. That's the goal right now. You want more wins, period, than the Seattle Mariners because, of course, the Seattle Mariners also won the season series against the Blue Jays. So just let's not have to mess around with tiebreakers. You just want to win more games than the Rays and Mariners. So we'll have to see if the Mariners can uh, come back and 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 win this game. They were down, I want to say, like 5-1 to one or 4-1. to one. Uh, and they've come back to tie it at five. So that game, I think, is now going to the bottom of the eighth inning. So we'll keep track of that if we uh, see any more fireworks between the Royals and Mariners or Orioles and Astros. Um, let's go back to the text line here. I see a uh, Joan Brantford. Great win. Hope another win tomorrow. They are in playoffs for sure for me. My hope is they don't play three games in Tampa. It is hell that place, but at home there is hope. Keep your fingers crossed. Yeah, you know what? It's a pretty succinct way to describe the trop. It is. I don't think anyone would disagree with you, Joe. No one's disagreeing with you on that. Um, I see one here. Tony and Kitchener. Always appreciate your text, Tony. Bradley Zimmer's on this team for one reason, speed. He's got to be able to steal that bag. The Jays can win so much more games, uh, but it's hard when you are beating yourself. So many errors keep costing the team. And yeah, the Zimmer, 
the Zimmer attempted steal was kind of wild because I, first of all, I don't know how many times you'll see Francisco Mejia throw out a runner at second base, just generally speaking. And also, I don't know how many times you're going to see really any catcher throw out Bradley Zimmer of all people at second base as well. I think Ben mentioned he's only been caught stealing seven times. I think seven times prior to tonight in his entire career, which is pretty crazy. So, but Tony's right. Like the, the, the thing though, the reason Zimmer's on this team is to be a speed merchant, kind of like Taylor Walls is for the, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays and Zimmer unfortunately got caught stealing. It didn't burn the blue Jays in the end. Cause Jordan Romano shut things down in the, uh, in the ninth inning and it wasn't it wasn't a huge issue i will say the the one run that came in for the tampa bay rays scoring on an errant throw i believe it was scored as an rbi single for harold ramirez and then it was scored ramirez reaches first base on a throwing error from bo bichette i thought he actually made a very athletic play to actually barehand the ball off the field and then he just launched that thing over the head of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. There was a text here from Alan Brantford. Uh, Hi, show. Sick to death of Bo's endless errors and how they are constantly ignored and or overlooked. His play at short has been the cause of as many losses as his relentlessly raved about and hyped offense has helped get wins. Ugh. The one-sided PR hype is tiresome, to say the least. So, okay. I'll agree and disagree with you on a couple of things here, Al. I, uh, I agree that the errors and the defense from Bo leave, I think a little bit to be desired. I will disagree to say, I don't think his errors have caused as many losses as his offense has caused wins. I think his offense has been pretty phenomenal. I think generally speaking, we were, we were frustrated with Bo basically right up until let's say the pirate series, which happened in PNC at PNC park at the end of August. Right? So with that, with that in mind, the last, let's call it six weeks, maybe even six and a half weeks of baseball. Bo Bichette has been, tops in major league baseball. I think he's like had the most hits, the most home runs, the most, the highest batting average, whatever you want to call it. He has been absolutely phenomenal, but I do agree that the, 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 the errors are not something you want to see from Bo Bichette. And we talked about this last night. You see, I think Bo Bichette is on this, this team for a really long time. I think he's on this team for the foreseeable future. I don't see Bo Bichette getting traded. Having said that is Bo Bichette the shortstop over the future of this team. Now that I think is not set in stone. I do think that the blue Jays hope he is because he's a homegrown talent. And I don't know if he's going to take like a, some kind of discount. I feel like when your dad is a major league ball player, you probably know better than to take a discount. I would imagine, but here's hoping having like, he's not getting $400 million. Let's, let's, let's be real here. I don't, I'm not even sure if he's getting the, the Austin Riley deal. We talked about that before, right? It was what? 10 years, 212 mil. Is, is he getting that much money? I think that, I think he wants that. I'm not sure if he's going to get it, but still Bobichette. The errors, I mean, would you would you take Bo at second base and have someone else be the everyday shortstop, let's say, going forward? I think there's a real chance. I'll say this. I think there's a real chance Addison Barger plays on this team next year, but does he play at second base maybe and you're moving on from in some fashion from Espinal or Biggio or one of those guys becomes, or they go back to being utility players. I think there's a, there's a real chance. I'm not saying it's guaranteed real chance. We see Addison Barger playing the, the major leagues yet la- next season. Cause he has absolutely, he has flown up the, uh, the, the minor league system. I think he was, I feel like he was playing for the Vancouver Canadians just a couple of months ago. And now he's already playing for the Buffalo Bisons. I look forward to seeing Addison Barger playing the majors on Vladimir Guerrero jr. Though. Cause I had seen a text here. Uh, where is it? Here we go from, uh, Rob is sitting by the campfire in Sunridge. I hope you are uh, exercising proper fire safety, Rob. Uh, my question tonight is in regards to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Do you think his name recognition that prevents him from being dropped in the lineup? Yes, he has some power. 
but he hits into way too many double plays or choppers to the left side to be in the top half of the order. The bottom of the order is doing their job. The top top half of the order is not benching Vladdy for a game or dropping him would send a message. Do you agree? I do agree that dropping him would send a message, and we actually have seen him dropped over the last couple of games, right? He was batting two for the majority of the season, and well, certainly since John Schneider became the uh, interim manager, and since then, he is now batting... Uh, well, third, not batting, not being dropped too, too much in the lineup. I think we have seen Vladdy Jr. take some really ugly swings. Like, they can't just be me noticing that. I genuinely wonder if there's something going on with him because he just doesn't look super locked in, especially compared to when he was locked in basically all season in 2021. Uh, maybe he's pressing a little bit. He just seems a little frustrated with himself, right? Not so great swings. I don't really think it's anything like ego. Uh, perhaps... It's you know more that both he and us know that he's a very talented player, and for whatever reason, it's just not translating to the dish. Like the golden sombrero last night, I really don't think it's just quote unquote pitchers figuring him out. It, he's still getting a lot of junk thrown his way. He's just chasing way way more than he ever has. Maybe even going back to the rookie season, he did walk today. But I'll say this on a uh, to end this on the Vladdy in a positive fashion. I'm giving him a Gold Glove this year. The defense at first base has been phenomenal. He has been absolutely terrific. The splits and so on. Maybe he doesn't always need to do the splits because I kind of wince my per- personally when I see that. But the defense at first base has been great. Like in the fourth inning, he saves a run by picking the ball out of the dirt. He's had a ton of made outs in this one. He ends things from Manoa on another great catch. I just when the bat is cold, at the very least, he's making some great plays at first base. So I will I will take that. I will absolutely take that. But I thank everyone for the calls and or the text certainly tonight. That does it for Jay's talk. Thanks for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, served up by the always game ready Jack Links Meets Snacks. Feed your outside baseball fans. Jays beat the Rays three to one tomorrow. Ross Stripling and Shane McClanahan will wrap things up in Florida. Blair and Barker. They're back tomorrow to recap the weekend, wrap the series, look ahead to the Yankees. I will catch you next weekend from Roger Center for the Red Sox series. Talk to you then. <laughs>